Radically resilient health is not the absence of injury, disease, infection, or stress. Rather, it's the ability to recover from injury, disease, or stress. This is Radically Resilient Health with Dr. Carolyn Dolan, founder of VitaKinetics. I'm your host, Connie Ray. We want to continue to share this vital and important information about how easy it is to change your health through simple lifestyle changes. So please subscribe to our podcast. Follow VitaKinetics and Dr. Carolyn Dolan on Facebook and Instagram. In this episode, Dr. Carolyn Dolan continues her conversation about the gut-brain connection. Could what you're eating be influencing how your brain is functioning? This is Radically Resilient Health. Continuing on with our discussion, Dr. Dolan, is inflammation good or is inflammation bad? Like we mentioned on our last podcast, we talked about localized inflammation and systemic inflammation. Inflammation is our natural healing process where the inflammatory cells come in to clean everything out and prepare a site from an injury for repair. So inflammation is good. I've used a a bell curve in the past to kind of talk about what we're really trying to do is not turn inflammation off because if we turn inflammation off altogether, we don't have any cellular turnover. We don't have any healing. If it gets too much, then we also set ourselves up for chronic pain state or abnormal healing. And that's not particularly good either. We want to get it into the ideal zone. And the way we kind of keep that in that ideal zone is by optimizing the integrity of our gut and that gut-brain connection. So keeping that systemic inflammatory process in check. And I've, I've used the analogy, I mentioned the term intestinal permeability and leaky gut where the intestinal lining gets permeable and so things are getting into our body that aren't normally there. Our inflammatory cells, our uh, immune system, everybody goes on red alert and starts trying to figure out what is this thing here? Is it, is it self? Is it not self? Where does it need to go? It doesn't belong here. And it's very disorganized. And that's where that systemic inflammatory part comes into play and is so disruptive. Normal inflammation is good. It's a normal process for our body that's required for healing. And so the more we can do to focus in on promoting the health of that gut-brain connection and the integrity of that system, the more normal our our inflammatory process will be. And so there will be more healing. Isn't inflammation letting you know if you sprain your ankle and your ankle swells up, your ankle needs a break right now. It's It's the communication that is letting your brain know you have an injury. Yeah. It's, it's a normal, that normal inflammatory process sends a signal to the brain that says, hey, we need to slow down, sit down, put our leg up. We, a behavior response, mm-hmm. right, to allow the process to occur. Now, if our gut is not as healthy and that gut-brain connection is disrupted, then that signal becomes more impaired and that our perception of that signal becomes exaggerated. So then like that small little ankle sprain turns into, I can't walk for months because it's so severely painful. It just gets stuck in that inflammatory swollen state because it, it doesn't have the process of, of what to do. So one of the things we wanted to talk about is how the nutrition somehow plays a role in affecting that gut-brain connection and that inflammatory process. Sometimes I always ask people, do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first about the, the foods that disrupt the gut lining? are ones that you would would want to generally avoid 
But particularly when you're in a recovery state from an injury or surgery, you would really want to avoid. And so I'll go ahead and start with a little bit of what I have found in all my research. Um, and then I'll end with the positives of the things that really help promote the integrity of the gut lining. And so things that I found in my research that disrupted that gut lining and caused intestinal permeability, the number one on my list that was maybe potentially the most surprising to me as I was doing that is the research that supported consumption of wheat and gluten-based products disrupt that lining and increases inflammation. And one of the most interesting studies I came to was they took biopsies of the intestinal lining of different groups of patients, where one was a celiac patient who was in active disease. And as you know, celiac is a known allergy to gluten. Another group was celiacs in remission. Then there was what's called non-celiac gluten sensitive. So those are people who aren't technically allergic to gluten, but seem to have a response to gluten. And then they had quote unquote normals. And they took these little biopsies and they put them in little Petri dishes. And so they had the cells of the lining. They're called enterocytes. And there's little tight junctions that hold them together, indicating that they're, you know, you wouldn't have that leaky gut. And then they put gliadin, which is a gluten protein, on each of those cells. 100% of those gut cells had intestinal permeability in response to this gluten protein, the presence of the gluten protein. What's most interesting is the ones that had the most theoretical leaky gut were the ones that were the non-celiac gluten sensitive. They were the ones that didn't test to be allergic. Why is this important? This is important because that indicates, remember, we were talking a lot about the systemic inflammatory response and how disruptive that can be to a normal healing process. That if your gut is leaky or those cells are not held tightly together, then we're set up for more systemic inflammation. And so this would indicate that a majority of people should be cautious with wheat. Now, again, I'm always recommending personalized nutrition. And again, this isn't necessarily everyone has to do this. We do know that grains can be difficult to digest. And again, when we're in a state of healing or active healing, we want to optimize our nutrient absorption. And it appears that wheat and gluten grains um, can be problematic. Um, The other thing I found that was really interesting was that um, wheat products have an opioid-like effect. So gluten grains can have an opioid-like effect, can make it really difficult for people to remove from their life. They're kind of addictive. And if you think about the things that contain gluten, cookies and sweets and processed foods, um, they have higher sugar content, which also leads me to other things that disrupt that gut lining and the there's little cilia that um, help increase the surface area for absorption of nutrients are things like sugar, food additives, trans fats. Some medications, some pharmaceuticals can be problematic, but those are things that we consume that can be very disruptive to that gut lining. The other thing that I came across, I always tell people, don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) And this will tie us, don't shoot the messenger. I didn't make this up, but this will also tie us into our next podcast when we talk about sleep effects. Consumption of alcohol disrupts that gut lining in addition to disrupting the genes that control your sleep cycle. So these are some things you're, you're eating regularly or consuming regularly that can just have some detrimental effects on that, that gut lining. So now for the good news, 
heavily processed foods are problematic as well as potentially alcohol, but high sugar processed food and some pharmaceuticals can disrupt the gut lining. What's really neat is that there are whole food-based components that actually promote intestinal integrity, a reduction in systemic inflammation, and promote healing. Things like probiotics or prebiotics that are in starchy fruits and vegetables, things like eggs, beef and pork, olive oil, aloe vera, gelatin or collagen, foods that are high in antioxidants. So those are your really colorful berries, cherries, grapes, or even um, leafy, dark leafy greens and vegetables. Also things like beef. Another component, biotin, is in green leafy vegetables. It's also in liver. We've got some nuts. Resveratrol is also a component. And again, these berries, um, blueberries in particular. Uh, Turmeric, which is curcumin. The active ingredient of turmeric is curcumin. This is a really strong reduction in intestinal permeability and inflammation. Um, We've got things like omega-3 fatty acids from oily fish like salmon or tuna, sardines, also a component of flax seeds. Cocoa, you know, chocolate. Again, not the super sweetened kind. And then we've got foods that are high in vitamin C, things like whey protein, which is a component of dairy. We've got nuts and nut oils. Um, Bone broth is also really high in L-glutamine, which helps with the healing of the gut lining. Whole nutrient-dense foods, like things like bone broth, traditional foods, are really, really good at improving the intestinal lining, reducing overall inflammation, and promoting that gut health. And all that's all tied to um, improving your, your healing process. I always try to end on a high that it's some of the, these things are really simple, right, that we can include in our lives to promote that gut health when we're in the need of reducing our systemic inflammation so we can promote healing, which is a very different approach than, like we mentioned before, typically trying to take over-the-counter pain medicines or anti-inflammatories to reduce that, that simply by consuming whole nutrient-dense foods, we can promote and improve our gut health and and our healing process. Even though I sit here and I think to myself, well, gosh, you know, uh, you ruined my love of sourdough. Um, at the same time, I have also learned how to make adjustments, which is, you know, we talked in the last podcast when you had asked me about, you know, could I get rid of coffee out of my diet? And it was the one thing that I just couldn't get rid of, but I made adjustments Mm -hmm. uh, in other avenues. You are really good, Carolyn, about working with your patients and recognizing that, that you can make small changes and those small changes can have a significant effect on your overall health. One of the things I like to bring up, because I often get questions about what's the best diet, what's the best nutritional profile, like what's the best thing for me to do? And there's a lot of really good diets out there or recommendations. And, and the ones that are the most successful, they're ones that are based on the whole foods-based diet. Now, circling back to this sourdough bread and, and things like gluten, diets like paleo or the Whole30 or an autoimmune protocol, They all have significant value, not so much because they have to be maintained 100% of the time for your entire life. They're most valuable to perform so that you understand when you eliminate those inflammatory foods, what then happens to you? 
how do you feel? How is your pain? How are your, how is your mood? How is your sleeping? And then when you very specifically bring that one thing back into your life, so say you've done an elimination diet and the thing you're dying to have back is dairy. Some people are allergic. Some people are lactose intolerant. Some people are sensitive. But then you very clearly bring that back in and then you can wait a day or two and say, oh, what happens to my knee pain? What happens to my headaches? What happens to my sleep? Right? You, you start to pay attention to those symptoms after that reintroduction. And where unlike you, I really am not able to consume gluten in that way. Some people can, and that works really well for them. Where I am, I'm pretty sensitive, to, and we happen to carry the celiac gene. So while I'm not technically celiac, I do notice enough response that it doesn't make it worth it to me to consume it. But I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known, like we talked about before, until I eliminated it, I wouldn't have known that I wasn't feeling good until I started to feel good. So that I could then notice that when I consume that very specific food item that I might suspect is inflammatory. And you seem to be able to do okay. And again, that's why I always talk about personalized nutrition. The data suggests gluten is a problem for a majority of people. So it's one of the first things I start with. If someone doesn't want to take everything out, start with that and then have a reintroduction phase. Do you recommend and to your clients, let's get a, a test to see where you are? Is that something that you recommend to your clients? It's important to see where your baseline is? Sometimes um, I, I usually don't recommend the testing until we, we can't seem to get enough information on our own. Because even in the world of allergies, the gold standard is still elimination diets and reintroduction. That is still the gold standard, meaning that there's no test that's um, better than that. But sometimes life is difficult and depending on, you know, particularly as a parent or a working parent, you know, and you're trying to manage, you know, to really control every bit of food that comes in to really identify uh, where a trigger is can sometimes be challenging. And it's, it's when I get to that point that I'll start to recommend food sensitivity testing. We're not responding to elimination diet. Then we're talking about, you know, heading down genetic testing. There are tests for intestinal permeability that can be done. Um, but as a general, it's not common practice, so it's hard to actually gain access. Um, so I don't always recommend the testing, even for a baseline, unless, of course, um, you're working closely with your, your medical doctor and you can check your blood work for things like cholesterol or blood sugar. Generally speaking, I, I think when we're dealing specifically with food and the nutritional component and looking at the, the symptom response, um, I do have a symptom questionnaire, you know, symptoms that I have, like a little questionnaire that covers much like we talked about the whole system. So both from mental health to how are your sinuses, how's your sleep, how's your mood, how's your energy level. And I'll, I'll take stock of that before we make any changes. So I'll say, okay, fill this questionnaire out. And then we're going to revisit this in, you know, six weeks. We're going to come back to this and test it. And then we're going to reintroduce gluten and then we'll retake the, the test. So, but that's not some, that's just a questionnaire. When you realized that you and your family had that gluten allergy 
and you made the changes to eliminate gluten, how quickly did you notice an effect in your overall health and inflammation in your body? Just to clarify, we are gluten sensitive. We None of us have actually tested positive for celiac disease, the gluten allergy, because I have had a couple of my kids tested. How quickly? Um, within the first couple months. Now, my husband took a bit longer and his response to things like gluten, I suspected gluten, but it's hard to be objective. Um, his, he kind of has a delayed response. So it's not an immediate pain or symptom within the next day. It usually takes about three days. But with my kids and myself, it was pretty quick within the first month or two. And you talk about the, the changes that you made. I often find that people don't stop to realize or think about their reaction after they eat a meal. I I have had this happen many times. You eat something and you feel like crap. Hey, why do I feel that way? You mentioned earlier how your kids notice that now. Oh gosh, I don't feel good. My, you know, I feel my energy's low. Well, you just ate three bags of, of Halloween candy. That's why you feel that way. Why do you think we have such a disconnect? Honestly, I mean, there's a lot of psychology that goes into this, but I think ultimately we've got, it's become normalized to not feel that well or have aches and pains and fatigue. That, that piece of it has become so normalized that we don't really think it's that, that there's any problem with it. I would also encourage anyone that's listening today to visit your Vitakinetics website on Vitakinetics uh, and, and just following you on social media. You give us such great recipes, how we can help increase the intake of the things that are going to help us manage inflammation. I think people may be surprised at how delicious the food is that they're eating. Uh, I've made many of the recipes that you have either introduced us to on Vitakinetics, taking simple recipes that we may have already been enjoying, but you're adding just more of the the fruits and vegetables. And the more that you can consume those organic, uh, natural state fruits and vegetables, I could feel it immediately that my body felt good. By making those subtle changes, this might be the first time that you actually recognize those changes. And may we also suggest following our discussion on breakfast, when I was working on my thesis, I did a little, this is a non-controlled study, but I said, okay, everyone for two weeks, I had a collection of friends that said, for two weeks, we're going to have a whole food-based breakfast, right? With fruits, vegetables, and whole sources of animal protein. Two weeks. And I followed up with a pre-test of my symptom log I mentioned to you, and then two weeks after. And all I asked was that they eat a real breakfast, a real whole foods based breakfast. So if it feels daunting to give up something like forever, try just starting with breakfast. Okay, I'm gonna go two weeks and I'm just gonna eat a real foods breakfast and then I'm gonna wait to see what happens. You've been listening to Radically Resilient Health with Dr. Carolyn Dolan. Content in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as medical, physical therapy, or healthcare advice. Listening to this podcast does not create a healthcare provider patient relationship. Please contact your medical healthcare provider if you suspect you have a medical problem. This podcast is funded by Vitakinetics. Learn more about Vitakinetics and Dr. Carolyn Dolan at Vitakinetics.com. Follow Vitakinetics and Dr. Carolyn Dolan on Facebook and Instagram.